If you're a follower of Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. Elijah and Elisha really did have a father-son mentor-mentoree relationship that I think is really important and appropriate for us to consider on Father's Day, but a message that applies to us all. We've been following the miracles of Elijah, the supernatural that God did through his life. We've discovered that the supernatural can be confrontational, counterintuitive, revelatory, refreshing, prophetic, victorious, and enabling. And this morning, I um, want to challenge you this way, that sometimes the supernatural or the miraculous can be burdensome. Sometimes it's a heavy load. And dads, I think you would agree, at least I would imagine you would, that the greatest joy of my life has been to be a father, and the heaviest load I've had to carry is to be a father. Three of us. Okay, I'm glad the rest of you are skating on easy street, but some of us, some of us have had a little challenge along the way. And so we watch this relationship develop between Elijah and Elisha, where Elisha comes to the place that he asks for a double blessing. We sometimes ask for things and have no idea what we're asking for. In the New Testament, you'll remember that James and John asked to sit one on the right hand and one on the left in Jesus' kingdom. And mom even got involved in that process. And Jesus said, you want to sit one on my right, one on my left? Are you able to be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with? And they said, we are able. And Jesus said, then you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, suffering and difficulty and burdens. But who sits on my right and left is up to the Father to give. There's a burden that sometimes comes with the things that we ask for. Some of the things that we ask for don't always turn out to be a blessing or an easy street, even though it's what we wanted. How many have any idea what I'm talking about? That car is a great thing until the payments start. So let's look at Elijah and Elisha. What's happening here? We're going to come to a place where Elisha is going to ask for a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Now, there are those who would tell you that Elisha will end up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah did. The problem with that is it all depends on how you count the miracles and you can make just about anything add up. All I know is that he did more in his request for this double portion. And it starts off with this concept to grab hold of. I believe that God wants to do more in your life than you're currently experiencing. I believe there are more victories to be won, that God wants more anointing on your life, that he wants to make you the head and not the tail, that God has a place of victory for every one of us. The challenge is how do we get there? And the way we get there, I think, is modeled by Elisha in this sense. Elisha was faithful to his calling. Now watch what happens here. Why did Elisha start following Elijah? He didn't start following Elijah to get a double portion. He didn't start following him so he could learn the supernatural. After Elijah comes out of this time of depression in the cave, he is sent by God, in my opinion, sent by God to find someone to team with him. And he finds Elisha, throws his coat, mantle over him, And Elisha says, I want to follow you, but I need to go home first. Elijah says, do whatever you got to do. And Elisha goes home, 
and burns his farming equipment, slaughters his animals, and serves them to anyone who wants to eat. It's a barbecue, which is also appropriate for Father's Day. <laughs> Here's what Elisha sets out as his calling. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant or his servant, his helper. He set out to follow and to serve. And I'm just going to tell you in the kingdom, that is the best place for you to grow in your relationship to God. To have a mindset that, God, I want to follow you. I want to follow those that I respect. And my heart desire is to serve. All of my years, I've listened to people who have delusions of grandeur, of what they want to be someday and shake the world that haven't ever tried to shake their block. That have never served consistently. The heart of great men and women of God have always been marked by a servant's heart. It's not been, how can I be promoted, but where can I serve? And that's the heart that Elisha brings. I'm going to follow him. I want to be his attendant, his servant. I want to help in this process. Now, there's no question that Elisha also had a bit of a higher goal because that will become clear later. I imagine as they travel together and Elijah is demonstrating God's supernatural power, that Elisha began to see something that he hadn't seen before. All of us need someone in our lives that we can look up to. All of us need someone that is a mentor to us. You say, well, I don't have anyone that I'm officially being mentored by. I'm not saying it even has to be official. Someone you look up to, someone that invests in your life. And Elisha is, now watch, he's following Elijah and something happens in him that he aspires to not only be Elijah's servant, but desires to be like Elijah. That tells me a lot about Elijah. Leaders have followers. John Maxwell made it popular when he said that a leader who, um, a person who thinks he's a leader and has no one following is simply taking a walk. If you have a gifting, there'll be fruit of that. And even though Elijah had weaknesses, he had failings. Elijah has this whole battle with depression. You have all of this that happens. He's got struggles like everybody else. James says he was a man subject to like passions like we are. He had his struggles. But Elisha followed him and wanted to be like him. Wanted more of what Elijah brought to the table. Uh, dads, I'm going to come back to this in a moment. <coughs> But I want to live my life in such a way that my kids want to be like me. Moms, you ought to live in such a way that your children want to be like you. If you're going to be a leader, you need to model what someone else wants to become. We've all read and heard stories of abusive kinds of leadership. <clears throat> I am 
uh, going through a series of podcasts that I shared, I think, on Wednesday, the rise and fall of Mars Hill and the, the uh, cultural phenomenon that Mars Hill was and the thousands of people who were drawn. And one of the things they talk about the fall of ministries is when leaders become demanding and abusive and nobody wants to be like them. There's something amiss there. Elisha, in some fashion, is following Elijah thinking, I'd like to be like that. I want to walk in those steps. There was something as he served. There is something that happens as you serve that will expand your vision. Your vision won't expand by trying to grab the highest rung on the ladder. Your vision will expand as you learn how to serve. And as you serve, you'll see other opportunities that avail themselves. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. Don't let your future rob you of your present. Don't let your future rob you of your present. We say that about the past. Don't let the past rob you of your present. And I agree with that. You can't control where you've been. You can control how you respond to it and what you do today. But some people are so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow that they don't live in the joy of today. Always building, looking to the future. Don't let your dreams of the future rob you of investing in life today and enjoying life today. One example of that would be financially. I believe we all have to plan for the future, but who can plan for the future? How many of you two years ago planned on $5 a gallon gas? If you did, you're the, uh, no, never mind. I get it, but I also think not planning is a foolish thing. But you can plan so much for the future and planning for the future that you don't ever take time to smell the roses today. Don't wait to travel the world when you retire if you don't ever take a vacation now. Is anyone hearing me? Don't think about what great things you'll accomplish if you're not doing anything today. Don't let your vision of tomorrow keep you from investing in what's happening around you right now. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards, those who would serve God, that a man be found faithful. God is looking for and honors those who are faithful. Stay committed to what God has called you to do today. Be faithful faithful in that. I don't think he's looking for the gifted and the talented. He's looking for the available and the faithful. I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven. I don't think it's the superstars that are going to be in the front row. It's those who labored in obscurity, those who labored without the acclaim of men and women who are going to be rewarded in heaven in ways that we don't understand because they were faithful. <laughs> if, <laughs> dads, if you're waiting for your kids to rise up and pat you on the back and tell you what a great job you're doing, that will happen at your funeral. <laughs> You've got to stay faithful today. I'm not here. Well, I've said I want my kids to see something in me that they want to follow. I'm not here to earn their affirmation. I'm here to be faithful to my calling. Is anyone hearing me this morning? God honors 
faithfulness. And Elisha was faithful to his calling. But he also knew as he journeyed in his service, second, he also knew what he wanted from God. And this is a great part of the story. Elijah, knowing that he's going to be taken from the earth, taken from Elisha, asked Elijah what he would like to receive. I believe there comes a time in all of our lives when God will put in you a place, bring you to a place that he wants you to receive something unique and special from him. I believe there's a place of exaltation. I believe there's a place of blessing. There's a place of breakthrough. And you need to live with that in mind that somewhere along the line, God will say to you, what do you want to receive from me? We're guilty in charismatic circles of thinking our lives are focused on telling God what he, would, what he should do. When in reality, I think there are places and times where God will say, what would you have me do in your life? Are you ready for that? Are you living in a way that God can speak to you and draw you to a place that he can show you? God has great plans for your life, but they are his plans. We're not planning so that God will conform. We should be living in a way that our ministries, that our investments in this world system, wherever it is, wherever you serve, whatever you're doing, are done in such a way that your effectiveness and fruitfulness expands. And if you do that, I believe there will be places and times that God will say, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do in your life? And in that moment, you need to have an answer. Elisha has a ready answer. He doesn't have to think about it or pray about it. He doesn't say, um, he, <laughs> he doesn't say, let me get back to you, Elijah. I want to think this through. I want to pray about that. Why does Elisha have a ready answer? I want a double portion because he lived in service with a vision for the future and made sure those were in harmony as he walked with God. What do you want God to do for you? I ought to be able to go around the room and just say one by one, point at you and say, what do you want God to do for you? Well, I just want to go to heaven. No, I have some things, if he asks, that I want to ask for. Come on. Oh, no, I have them right on the front page. I wouldn't have to think 30 seconds. If God said, what would you like me to do for you? I'm ready to answer. Do you live with any kind of anticipation, any kind of expectation, putting your spiritual life on the front row, on the top shelf, that if he were to say to you, what can I give to you, that you'd be ready to say, this is what I want God to do in my life. Our faith walk has to be more than just getting by day by day. What do you want from God? What do you want him to do in your life? What would you like to see manifested through you? You see, when we read the Old Testament and the New Testament for that matter, we watch the miracles and the mountaintops and the high points and forget they walked everywhere. 
There were long, dusty journeys, long nights of solitude, plenty of time to think and to pray and to consider what God might do and who he is and how this world could be impacted. What, what do you do with those moments in your life where you have downtime? Do you take time to meditate on God, time to think about God? God, what do you want to do with me? What could be accomplished? What might be? Do you have a vision? Do you have a hope? Do you have a drive? Do you have a dream? We need men to rise up and be men of God with a vision, with a dream, with a purpose. What does God want to do with your life. He will put his desires in your heart if you'll let him. The Bible tells us to let our requests be made known to God. Prayer includes expressing your heart to God about talking to him about your future dreams. He will dialogue with you. One of the things that I really appreciate about my wife is there'll be times, this has happened numerous times, and she'll ask what I see in the future, what I would like to accomplish or what I would like to do. And I, I'll say something like, I don't, I don't, I, I really don't want to, I don't want to say anything because it sounds kind of arrogant. And she'll, she'll always say, it's just you and me in the car. And I know you and know you're not arrogant. You can share your dreams. God is saying to you, it's not arrogant to share your dreams with him. Because where do you think the seed for that dream came from? Where do you think it came from? Do you ponder? Is there something bigger than you have right now? Man of God, rise up. It's a call to you. Women of God, it's a call to you to rise up. God wants to do great things through your life. Have you ever stopped to consider he might want to do more through you than what's happening right now? What might he want to do? What might he want to accomplish? It's interesting that this vision for the future, this ready response, was within his current ministry and his current gifting. <laughs> uh, well, I do have a dream. I have a dream that I will be a vocalist that will sell platinum records and travel the world. That, that is not a dream, that's a delusion. <laughs> I've always wondered, are you still with me? I've always wondered why big dreams require leaving the local church behind. Because the one thing he's building is the local church. I've watched vocalists over the years, and, and uh, Pastor Nathan, you've seen this as well. Someone begins to sing, and they get a little bit of attention. It's like, man, I'm gonna, I'm, I've got to start traveling and share my gifting with people all over the country. I know they're all going to want to hear me sing. Well, maybe they will, but is there something wrong with being exceptional within the context of your current ministry? your current calling? 
Is there something wrong with being exceptional in your own household? Is there something wrong with being exceptional in your current job? Is there something wrong in saying, I'm going to bless God where I am and see the glory of God manifested in the context of my current investment and calling? Is anyone hearing me this morning? I'm talking about the anointing of God that will flow through you to change the world around you, building your part on the wall. Let your requests be made known to God. He will dialogue with you. It's part of proving what his will is. It's what Paul calls us to do, that we would that we'd be separated from this world, that our minds would be renewed and that we would prove what is his good and acceptable and perfect will. That's dialogue and trying and interacting. I want to challenge you to start praying differently than you've been praying. Not just my daily bread, but your kingdom come. That we're praying both of those. Elisha knew what he wanted. He was ready. He knew what he wanted from God. Now, let's talk about Elijah for a minute because this is where I want to uh, settle down for about 90, 120 minutes. <laughs> Elisha, watch this, wants a double portion of Elijah's anointing. I want a double portion of what you have. It shows that he saw something in Elijah that he wants to have twice as much. Think about that. Elijah must have had it to give, and I'll demonstrate that in a moment, but I want you to think about the request that comes to Elijah I'm going to specifically talk to dads now for a moment. It applies to wives, women, moms, just as well. Do you have anything that somebody would want double of? Do you have anything that someone watching you would say, I want twice as much of that? So I'm going to get personal here with my father. I love my dad. My dad was funny. He didn't tell jokes. But I'll, I'll never forget, we lived on an acreage, had seven acres, and neighbor kids all would come over. And more than once, my dad would be at the kitchen sink, and there'd be a window open in the screen. Do you remember that? We used to open the windows in the summertime, and the screen that was there, and he'd call one of the neighbor kids over, and he'd say, what's that on the screen? Can you tell me what that is? And he'd wait until they got this close to the screen and throw a glass of water right in their face. <laughs> and then he'd start handing out glasses of water to the kids in the neighborhood. And then he'd turn on the hose and lock the doors and watch the chaos. That was my dad. He could be funny, he could be um, engaging. And I loved my dad, so I don't want you to take any disrespect from this. But I can't think of a single thing in my dad's life that I wanted double of. I certainly didn't want double of his temper. I'll never forget when he had a tire iron and got mad and just threw it in the air. That thing spinning around and it came down and stuck perpendicular in the hood of the car. 
I'll never forget when he got so mad, he grabbed a screwdriver and threw it through the back window of his 58 Chevy pickup truck. It just shattered, and we didn't have any money, so he fixed it with a piece of plexiglass that you couldn't bend and bent sheet metal and screwed that in, and that was our window because he had shattered that. I remember watching when he threw all the dishes out of the kitchen cupboards because one of my sisters hesitated from washing dishes. I could go on with other stories. I don't remember him ever giving me a hug. He didn't come to any of my Little League games. I know he had to work, all of that. But while I know that he loved me, is anyone hearing me right now? I I didn't want to do what he did for a career. Working at a job I hate eight hours a day at a place that stinks. I wanted to do something. When I decided to go to Bible college, he wasn't affirming of that. He didn't mock me, but he just couldn't understand why I'd want to do something like that. I'm just saying to you, I can't think of anything in my dad's life that I wanted double, let alone having one of. Is anyone hearing me? I don't want to be that kind of man. Come on, is there anyone in the house right now? I don't want to be that kind of man. I don't want to be that person to my kids. I want them to hear me say, I love you. I want them to experience a hug. I want them to see a passion for God. I hope there's something when I die that they would say, I want double of what dad had. And I think that's where we should live for the next generation to inspire them to go beyond where we've gone, to reach farther than we've reached, to climb higher than we've climbed, to win more people to God than we've won. What in your life would someone look at and say, I want double of that? think that's how we should live and strive to live. Is anyone hearing me this morning? You're looking at me like I have a third eye on my forehead. (laughs) And Elijah tells Elisha that he can have it. Now I'm going to, I've read commentaries and I've worked on this passage. And so I, I just need to explain this to you. What I believe is happening here. When Elisha says, I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah says, you've asked a difficult thing, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. Elijah doesn't say, I can't give it to you. Elijah doesn't say, that only comes from God. Elijah doesn't say, you'll have to ask God. It's his to give. He says, if you meet these conditions, you will have it. It will be given to you. I will give it to you if you meet the conditions. So church, you can't give anybody what you don't have. You can't give what you don't possess. A pastor who doesn't tithe can't expect church people to tithe. A pastor who doesn't pray can't expect anyone else to pray. A parent who doesn't faithfully lead in spiritual matters can't expect their children to follow God after they leave the home. Come on, are you with me this morning? You can't give what you don't have. Elijah had it. It was his. He could communicate that. And whether you believe it or not, or know it or not, I'm not trying to be angry. I'm not trying to be hard-nosed. I'm just saying, you are giving something away right now. You are giving it. 
You're giving what you do have. What, are you, what do you have? What are you giving? What are you passing on? Elijah says, you'll have it if you see me when I leave. Now what he does say here is that you've asked a hard thing. And without exception, I couldn't find a single commentator who said anything different than this thought. Elijah said it's a hard thing because only God could give it. So I'm back and read the text and it doesn't seem to fit to me. He doesn't say it's a hard thing because only God can give it. And one of the things I learned in English is that an, um, an adverb modifies a verb, an adjective modifies a noun. And if you're going to look at them, you connect them together. And he's saying, you've asked for a hard thing. What does the adjective describe? The noun. What's the noun? The thing. He's not saying it's a hard thing to give it. He's saying it is a hard thing you're asking for. The word here means dense or heavy or um, thick. It carries the idea of being severe or tough, burdensome or grievous. It's commonly a word, or it's a word that's commonly used to describe childbirth in Scripture in the Old Testament when a woman went into hard labor. It's that same word. The word's describing the thing that Elisha is asking for. Here's what he's saying Elisha, you have no idea what you're asking for. This double portion that you want from God, this double portion that you want to experience, you have no idea the load that comes with that. You have no idea the price that's going to have to be paid. For example, I, mean, I, I would love to be able to play the keys the way Pastor Nathan does. Anybody else? I'd love to. I'd love to be able to sing. Well, no, I'd, I'd like to. Play, I'd like to play the keys the way he plays and sing the way Pastor Tim sings. Or if I could do both, if I could sing a duet with myself, that would be amazing. If I could do both, but you know what? I really don't want to. I really don't want to play this. Because did you hear him describe during worship the hours and hours and hours of playing? that's required to get here. We have people that say, oh, I want to do this. I, I want to preach. I want to be a pastor. I could do what the pastor does. I could do what the youth pastor does. I could do that. If someone would give me a chance, I could do it. You have no idea what you're asking for. You have no idea what you're asking for. Come on, is there anyone in the house right now? You have no idea what you're asking for. It's easy to look at someone else and say, I could do that and do that better. And you have no idea the price that's paid to get there. Is anyone hearing me right now? He's saying, you're asking for a hard thing. This comes with a price. This comes with a toll. I, I was looking up. I didn't find it. Some of you probably know. I don't really like this saying, but it does capture it a little bit. It's been said in the full gospel word of faith circles, with each level comes a new devil. 
With each level of growth, with each level of experience, there'll be a new challenge, there'll be a new load, there'll be a new burden to carry. Oh, I want to be, I want to be the Apostle Paul and plant churches all over Europe until you read about the heavy load that that was for him to carry. It's like the man that said, before I had children, I had no children and five plans for how to raise them. Now I have five children and I have no plans. (laughs) How many of you would say, I mean, I remember, I remember when our firstborn and I, was born, I held him in tears and that was the greatest moment. I'm just telling you, it was euphoric. Anybody know what I mean? Is anybody here this morning? I just wonder where y'all went. Do you remember what that, I mean, like, and then I had no idea. Come on, I had no idea what that was going to cost me. I had no idea. The sleepless nights, the worry, the broken heart, the tears that are cried over decisions that are made, actions that are taken, that you wish you could live their life for them sometimes. And when they're crying and your heart breaks because of their broken heart and there's nothing you can do except kill that boyfriend. I mean, it's... But what a load... Sometimes, in fact, I would say every time we ask God for more, we have no idea what we're really asking for. So, pastor, well, you've pretty well convinced me to just stay where I am and regress a little bit. (laughs) No, the rewards are great. They're great. But don't think for a minute when you move forward in God when you move forward in him, that the journey, the travel, the trip is going to get easier. Someone said the easy way always gets harder and the hard way always gets easier. You're going to have times that if you want something new and fresh from God, just know that you need to count the cost. Are you willing for that to happen? Are you willing to shoulder up to that load? Are you willing to be a man or woman of God that says, yes, I will I will carry the cross. I'll pay the price. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, knowing that I'll also have to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. And I've often wondered why Elijah said, if you'll see me. That seems pretty arrogant, doesn't it? If you see me. Be there, pal. When you see what's going to happen, yeah, you want to see me. Why did he say that? I think there's one reason he said that. He was giving Elisha a way out. Elisha, you can walk away right now, and there's no love lost. I'm leaving anyway and you're asking for a heavy load, and if you don't want that load, if you don't want that heavy labor, that pain that comes with this road that I've walked, he wasn't there. Listen, he wasn't there when Elijah was at the end of his road in the darkness of a cave crying out to God to take his life. You didn't see any of those, Elisha. When when the time comes, if you don't want to carry that load, then this is your chance to just walk away. 
just walk away. But there had been so much of the supernatural that never would have happened had Elisha said, I'll walk away. But if you're there when I go, then you are going to experience what you asked for. He gives them a way out. Now, Elisha, fourth, was willing to walk in this new anointing. What an incredible story when, when they're together, not much further, just a little bit along the way. They're standing there, the chariot of fire and the horseman. My God, he cries out, the, the chariot of God, the, the horseman of Israel. And what a sight that must have been. Can you imagine what that must have been like? And he's gone. He sees it happen before his own eyes. I don't know that you could describe anything more supernatural than that moment to watch this angelic, supernatural, overwhelming presence of God in chariots and horsemen that take him to heaven. How incredibly powerful that moment must have been. And then it's over. Watch. Elisha has just seen the most dramatic supernatural occurrence of his life. And he's asked for a double portion. And when Elijah is gone, all he's got is his old coat. I mean, wouldn't you have expected to at least shake a little bit? To feel something, some presence? I mean, a couple lightning bolts or a voice from heaven. Elisha, you are my, my prophet. Go forth and change something. And there's nothing to indicate anything supernatural happened at that moment. And sometimes the moment of the greatest supernatural revelation you'll ever receive from God will be in those moments when it seems like nothing is happening. It's just still. And I wanted, I'd, I, anybody, I'd have wanted something, some sign. So now, in emptiness and stillness and quiet, Elisha has to act on whether or not he believes that what Elijah told him was true. And that coat is laying there. You pick up that old coat. Now, you have to think about that. You have to think about that a little bit. Only the mantle, only the coat is left behind. What about, I mean, have you seen those stories of the rapture and you go into a room and you find their clothes are there, but they're gone? I, I don't know if it's going to be that way, but I know in this case, if Elisha left and his clothes went and the mantle stays behind, uh, there might be something to this thing. There might be something going on here. And I love this moment. He doesn't know. He doesn't have an assurance. It's his time to step out and walk and give it a try. Give it a shot. And he picks up that coat. And remember, he's on the other side of Jordan. And he smites the Jordan River and says, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? There's nothing that gives him any sense of the supernatural until... As he acts in faith, the waters roll back. 
I bet that was pretty cool. I bet that was pretty cool. I love it when I pray for somebody and I feel God's anointing power. But if you wait for that, you'll never do anything for God. I have watched God heal people that I had almost no sense of anything supernatural happening. I'm telling you, you don't wait for the supernatural. You act in obedience and the water rolls back. And there will always be, as you walk forward in God and decide to go back in the promised land and walk in this new anointing, there will always be people who will try to tell you you're not ready. Do you remember the prophets at the school of prophets at Jericho? They're the ones that told Elisha, your master is going to be gone today. And when they see him come across, I mean, what is wrong with their thinking? I don't know that they saw it, but here he is. And where's, where's Elijah? Do you want us to go find him? No. Do you want me to go find him? No. And it says that they so pressed him that he became embarrassed by continuing to say no. And he said, fine, go look. Because they said, Elijah can't be gone. They didn't want to let go. Didn't want to experience the transition. Didn't want a new day. They wanted to keep Elijah. And God probably picked him up and dropped him somewhere else. And there's no dead body. So where is he? That had never been experienced before. And this is what I can assure you. When you try to move forward in God, there will always be spiritual prophets who will try to show you why you're not ready yet. Don't listen to the naysayers. Just start doing the supernatural. <laughs> they finally come back. Elijah can't be found. And he said, I told you, he's gone. It's a new day. It's a day of transition. You have to decide that you're going to walk in God's anointing on your life. So I'm bringing it down to this. Here's, the, here's what I want you to think about. Moms, dads, everyone in the room, North Chapel Online, this isn't just directed at dads, but do you have any idea what you want God to do in your life? Have you thought beyond just getting through the day? What do you want? He'll give you the desires of your heart. And I really believe that means he'll put right desires in you that will seem to be attractive to you, that you will pursue. Do you have any idea? Can you look above the mundane? Can you look across the horizon? What do you want to see God do? Knowing that you'll have to count the cost, but there'll be lives changed forever. I want my life to count and I'll consider my journey a success <laughs> if somebody stands by my casket and says look he's breathing oh no no that's not no that's not it stand by my casket and say God I want double what he had <sighs> somebody needs to own that right now that they would look at you and say I want double what he had. You can have that. You can have that if you want it. Let's stand together. Are you ready to receive? Are you ready for a fresh revelation? Are you ready for God to show you something that'll shake your world? Show you something that's so beyond what you can imagine? 
that you'll have to give everything you have to own it. Let's take a minute to just worship him and say, God, give me, give me a new revelation. Give me a new vision for what you have for my life. And I have a maker. He formed my Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here, dads, especially thank you for being here. Thank you for your faithful giving. However you do it, just thank you for being so faithful financially. I appreciate it so much. And if you want to have something to give, let me hear your hands this morning. I want to be able to invest in somebody's life. 
Amen. God bless you. Encourage someone before you leave today.